Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, guys. Thanks for joining in with us here on this week's podcast. Uh, episode number 82. For you guys that don't know, some of you do, some of you don't. But we want to thank you guys for joining us here. Um, this podcast is going to be Turkey Camp Part 2. Uh, what a great time that we had. Thankful for the friends and the family that were able to make it happen for us. And first of all, I do want to take one second. Um, the most important thing of all, um, I want everyone to keep the Geyer family in their thoughts and prayers. Um, there was a passing here of Papa Dave, who is a big influence of the working class bow hunter. So if you guys haven't already, man, say a prayer for them and, you know, send out a message to the working class bow hunter and or the Geyer family. Um, they need your thoughts and prayers. So goes out to Papa Dave. Um, so before we do this, I definitely want to do the drive checklist here and just kind of thank everybody who makes all these things and all the people that we partner with here on the outdoor drive. A uh, huge thanks. Um, Nor'easter Game Calls, Gator Outdoors, w Wicked Twisted Bowstrings, Timber Tumblers, and Broadside Camo. I uh, want to thank those guys for partnering with us and making everything possible um, here at the Outdoor Drive podcast. And also, um, don't forget to get in on the giveaway. The most important part is you have to buy something from our sponsors, use our promo code, and um, or if they don't have a promo code for them, use... Um, outdoor drive giveaway in the notes uh, to get yourself into those uh, details are on our website and also um, they are on all of our social media platforms so without further ado guys let's get this thing underway let's turn this key and let's start the drive All right, welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and... This is Steve. Is it just Steve or just just, just Steve. Steve? Oh, Steve. okay. Who else? We got somebody else in the studio. Yeah, Still? part part two. He has part a left. Two. Part two. <laughs> <Not yet. laughs> it's just Andrew. Just just Andrew. Is <laughs> that like is. a Virginia thing? Is it like the water in Virginia that makes you just just Andrew or just Stephen? No, he's from Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, no, he's been drinking the water for a week in in Turkey. Not a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of it well just well we'll it's call like it coming out of bottles <laughs> distilled right well why don't you guys um tell us a little bit of, of how the rest of the camp has been going ever since i left we might as well just dive right into it i guess well, right well we got to cover the first few days you were here we didn't get into that 
Oh, that's right, huh? I forgot. Yeah. We are on you part two. Gone. <laughs> oh man, that's right. I forgot about that. All right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> was just... We talked about the front yard, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So, so we might as well. Well, I mean, we could get to the exciting part. Yeah, let's just roll right into the to open the morning. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Who wants to kick it off? I'm, I'll let you. You you how did come, the work. How come me, man? <laughs> we, we, right. were, we were just tucked in the trees out of the way. You had okay. more action than all of us. I did? What happened? On opening morning? Oh, okay. Now I remember. Kind of brought it back. I was a little... I was a little out of it there. All right. So the first morning that we ended up going in, um, we trekked up onto the mountain, which which kind of sucks. It's not a fun walk. Did it, you anybody else enjoy it? Whooped our ass I loved last it. year. We we got some good miles in on it. It's definitely a good place to get in shape. I think we were averaging like five miles a day when we were over there. I think is what my um my iPhone told me was that we're about five miles, I think, averaging over there. But it's like, it's to like kind of like break it to everybody. It is the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is well, actually, Andrew's gonna call it a hill. So I guess that it's doesn't a big really hill. Count. It is a pretty big hill. Um, it's it's definitely got a little bit of everything. It's got a little bit of ag. It's got a little bit of woods. Um, I don't like going up the mountain. I know you guys got to go up the mountain later on in the day or the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, so we worked our way over there. We ended up striking. No, we actually scared. Remember, we scared the two yeah. out of the tree to begin with, which made things really tough. Um, and we were like, I, I don't know if it was a if it was a helper or a hinder to the whole thing as far as that goes. Like, were those the hens that went down, or were they Jakes, or what were they? Because I think they it, were hens. We they we were discovered that hens. further on. We ended oh, up really? And under, and we have them on film, busting us and cackling at us, and then we actually caused them to fly down because the birds were gobbling and we couldn't move. So we got them jump and it, it was a perfect fly down cackle. They didn't alarm putt nothing. They just blew out of the tree and actually ended up drawing a bird to us, but we'll get to that. Oh, really? That's crazy. All right. So that kind of like brings back kind of my theory of kind of why the things, why the birds work the way that they did. Right. I mean, that kind of puts a lot into perspective now, now hearing that, um, so we ended up going up and over the ridge and we hit what do we hit? I think we hit a crow call, right? No, I owl hooted. Oh, you owl hooted as we had gotten over the hill. Mm-hmm. And um they had lit off right to our left hand side as we're going down the trail. We have the field to our right. And uh we actually this was an area we ended up going and setting up in an area where we had set up last year, but the birds were the opposite direction and we right. tried working them down to us. Um from the east to the west instead of the west to the east. And um is that yeah. And um so we had sat in this kind of like corridor where there's one trail running left to right and then one straight up and down. And there's like a V in the middle. It's very important that you know this. There's a V in the middle of of land, like sticks, twigs, and so on and so forth. So the birds start gobbling. And I start tree yelping, whatever. He responds. Another one responds. So we just kept giving it to him. Gobble, gobble, gobble. So they were definitely interested in what we had going on. Uh, Steven had put up the decoys. These guys were to my right-hand side in some, like, cedar thicket. I was to the left side of the path. They were to the right side of the path. And uh, 
the birds started hammering and hammering and hammering. Well, they started to come. Well, not even that. Before that, yeah, before even before the birds back. even came out of the tree, it was wild. It was there was so many things like that happened very quickly. So the first thing that happens, like it just starting to get light. You're just start. Your eyes are just starting to like kind of like get its balance in, and I just I look up and all I see is something something swoops down, dude, and smacks the the decoy. <laughs> Knocks like, the hen decoy clear off the stick. Break it broke the stick. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck? I'm thinking that it's a hen, right? Like, but why would a hen dive down? And well, like, that's what all- I told Andrew. I leaned over. It's like I've never seen a hen dive bomb another hen out of the roost. I was like, that that's kind of weird. Or not on purpose, anyways. Like, if it did, then it would have like hit it. You know what I'm saying? And then right. like keep going or like make noise or something. So I'm like waiting for like some type of noise out of if it was a hen. And then I started thinking about it and I'm like, that wasn't, oh, that is definitely a hawk. A mm. hawk just attacked the decoy. Yeah, that thing was flying too fast to be a hen. Right? At, I don't know. On that property, there's hammered. there's no telling. That yes. thing's hammered. <laughs> Those are super turkeys there, dude. <laughs> it like kicked the thing back like 20 yards. And I'm like, what the heck? So... I run out there and I'm like, it was a hawk. It was a hawk. So we put the, we end up putting the thing back up on the stake and um, the birds are still hammering up on the hill. So we call to them. They're still hammering. They're still, now I remind you, they're still on roost at this point. And then I look out and I see even more mo- motion. I'm like, what in the world is that? So now there's three deer and I'm like, now they're playing with the decoys. I'm like, oh, all right. But I don't want to call. This is what's going through my head. I'm like, I don't want to call because if I call, then it's going to spook the deer, which they're going to run. They blow. And if, they do that. It spooks the birds. They shut up or they don't come down. Right. So that's kind of like what's going through that's my mind. 22. So, yeah. So I wait for him to get out of out of range where they can't really see me. I end up calling. The birds start coming down. Did the second thing attack the decoy by then? Or was no, that? No, that, after? Was, after, that after. was after we had shot, right? So the so the gobblers come down and I see them. They're coming from the right to our left, and then they're gonna come down the left the left leg of of the path, and they're gonna start coming towards us. So I see him, and he starts going in and strut, out of strut, into strut, out of strut. He comes down, he works his way in. Now he's like fifteen yards, ten yards behind the decoys, and I'm like, I, I he's like standing right there, and he sees the decoy. And now he starts getting a little weird. And he starts to put his head down, and he comes out of strut, and then he puts his head up, and he, and I'm thinking to myself, Andrew, shoot, 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 shoot. And so we're, we're sitting 90 degrees from where these birds are walking in. They're walking in facing Trev. We're 90 degrees in line with the decoy, and these birds hadn't quite cleared the brush yet for us. So right. we could see bits and pieces, but we couldn't see everything. We could just hear the bird until he popped his head up, and then it was time to go. And I, and I wasn't, and I didn't realize that Andrew didn't have a shot. I'm thinking, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm thinking that on this angle that, you know, he's now cleared this, but now looking and reviewing the footage, he didn't really have a safe ethical shot. So I'm waiting for him to do it. And he just like sits there and I'm like, it's now or never. What else are we going to do? Like, we're going to 45 yards for My instructions were, if you have a shot, take the shot. Who cares about the camera? Who cares about anything else? 
but I mean, I want to, you know, Andrew's never shot a bird, this, that, and the other thing. We want to make sure that he has the first ample opportunity. So I wait for him. He putts and he turns and he stops. And I'm like, all right, now's the time. Now's the time. But he didn't end up shooting. He didn't have the shot. So he starts to turn around and he starts to like, kind of like move a little fast. So I'm like now or never. So I put it up and I shoot Well, I end up missing and he goes up and he comes down. I thought I maybe hit him, but I, I definitely didn't. I, I clean missed him. And uh, so we start calling again and there's other birds gobbling or was it maybe it could have been yeah, them there, or there, was, there was another group of birds up on the hillside and we were hoping to get them to break which i've had this happen before with yeah. shooting and still having birds come down and uh so they start to go away and i'm calling and calling and calling and i'm like not really paying attention kind of like playing on my phone and because like obviously those birds aren't coming and i hear like what would sound Don't- like yeah, which would be like wings smacking on on a decoy. And I look up real fast, and there's a coyote. He just whacked the decoy, and he turns around and runs away. And I'm like, whoa, that was wicked cool. What the heck just happened? Yeah, we're, we're sitting there, and I look at Andrew and goes, there, there's something moving off to our right. I can hear it. it. It's walking through the leaves. And I turn, and I look back. I think I was looking back towards No, I was looking back to the right to try to figure out what it was. Right. And I hear that. And I turn and I just see the decoy spinning and Andrew goes, coyote, coyote. And I turn and look and that sucker was hightailing it up the friggin' hillside behind us. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Right. I, and and what's going through your mind at this? Cause like, this is like your first, like actual turkey hunt in the woods, like craziness. Yeah. This morning, that first morning was just obnoxious that first hour <laughs> specifically i mean we like you said we know more than sat down we didn't even have time to get the cameras turned on and you know this night hawk comes swooping down out of the darkness and throws a decoy across the path and i'm like oh wow okay and then we've got these two birds that are coming in and you know just sitting there waiting on this thing to take two more steps, two more steps, because I had this big old bush, you know, staring down the scope, looking right at this bush. You know, I could see the head bobbing, you know, in between limbs. I'm like, man. And, you know, then to recover from that and turn around and this coyote, <laughs> it was just a wild, like, start to the whole deal. And, uh, it was exciting. It was exhilarating. It was a lot of fun. So it was uh it was a fun way to get the week started for sure. So like going into the whole like turkey hunting thing, obviously like you haven't done this before. We went, we urban hunted with Peter, which very thankful for him allowing us to do such a thing. Definitely. And then going into, you know, going up to the mountain and hunting, but like what is going through your mind before all of this, like going into your first thing? going into your first day and we hadn't heard a gobble when we, when we had hunted with Peter. So to go there, then Steven lights one off and he's gobbling and then coming in. Like what, what's kind of like going through your head as a, as a new Turkey hunter. Um, I'm just watching, just watching what you were doing, watching what Steve's doing, just trying to soak it all in because this is an experience for one. So it's something that I want to remember so I'm trying to do that. And then obviously every little bit that I can pick up and learn, you know, for the future. Cause I don't, 
live near you guys. It's not like something we can do on a regular basis. So I got to be able to take these tools back and use them for myself. So it was just uh, absorb it all, take it all in, enjoy all of it, um, and do whatever I could to not cause a problem. You know, that's <laughs> my two big things is don't don't screw anything up, you know, and, uh, well, and soak it all in. Cause it's good that you were a, cognizant about that because more than once we'll take people out and it's really hard when something goes wrong, goes haywire. They cause the bird to spook and you don't, you, you just can't bring yourself to tell them that it it busted because it busted you. You because that reason, yeah. And it is it's so hard to just kind of hey man, it's all right. I'm not sure if you kind of glare off the camera or didn't like the decoys, but you know he didn't like something. So I, I'm glad you were cognizant of that, and and you did very well. Well, you know you you're gonna have those experiences. You know we've all had them walking through the woods with different folks, some that are used to it, and you're you know they're supposed to be competent and you're like oh wow and uh, then you've got the new folks and uh well kind of like what we talked about last week i just wanted to act as if i knew nothing mm-hmm. and just be the best um follower i guess that i could be because i wanted to be able to learn this process right and pick up some things to be able to take and use so uh, i felt like the best thing i could do was just take it be the best woodsman I could and not screw anything up, you know, that control the things that I could control and just soak it in. Cause I mean, how often do we get to do something like this? I mean, right. this is not something not often enough that we're going to get to do all the time, you know? So learn everything you what can. Do you mean? We're going to Oklahoma up. next year for Turkey camp. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we'll hit, we'll hit Oklahoma and Kansas. Now we're talking Rios and Merriams. <laughs> we'll get them all done. I was I was looking through old videos. I found like a video of turkeys that had there's like 30 turkeys in a field in Kansas. Just sitting in front of him. I had a bearded hen on camera at like 15 yards and didn't realize it was a bearded hen. <laughs> I could have shot her like 16 times. It was that's my number one book. I, this I, we can make it happen. You know, absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing is, and I'll take it back a little bit to, to what you were saying. Like, we all try to be that way. Like, just be so pay attention to our, our surroundings where, you know, I don't want to be the guy that moves that bust the birds or over calls or whatever the case may be. And it's kind of tough. And, and a lot of people like I've hunted with everything from use to experienced hunters in, in the turkey woods and it's like it, you kind of like you kind of like walk on pins and needles right because you don't want to be that guy that moves that makes the wrong decision and it and it's tough like group hunting is a very tough thing like in some you know like especially with with a group of guys that have bold personalities right so like like or you know may have the experience to be able to like to definitely kill a bird but they'll like like I find myself sometimes like I kind of, I'm a little bold. So like I like try to make the decision or, or know what's right or whatever the case may be. And it's, it's gotta be tough. You know what I'm saying? So you just kind of like, sometimes you just got to sit back, 
take it all in and just go with the flow, you know, and sometimes that's not easy and, it, and it's not an easy thing, especially, you know, having hunting experience, right? I mean, we all have hunting experience, so we all think that one thing's better over another, you know, and it just makes things tough. Well, and, you know, there towards the end of your time here, you know, you started asking me what my gut thought and what I keep saying. I don't know. I'm up for whatever, right? Yeah, right. Because, and my thought process is I'm more interested in trying to understand your decision-making process than going off mine because mine is completely naive, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, to this particular type of hunting. I don't know what I'm talking about. It would be foolish for me to jump in. So it's going to be better long-term to watch you guys make decisions and then you know, go back and try to figure out why you made those decisions. And that forces me to, to learn a little bit more than if, uh, I'm not actively interacting with that process in my head that way. And, you know, but, and on the same token, like, especially Virginia, for one, your opinion might be the best opinion because we have no idea what those birds do, how they work. Like it, it could be totally against everything that we know. Right. I mean, so <laughs> it could be a good thing. Right. Well, we, we did learn quite a bit about those birds in the, uh, the last two or three days mm -hmm. we've, I can literally say we tried every tactic to kill a bird. You can possibly try on that property. Literally. That's awesome. And we really narrowed down quite a few things that, you know, when I go back in there, mm -hmm. clucks, that's it. Clucks and purse. Little. Do not, do not yelp. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that we realized that uh, Jake decoys in the timber are a bad idea. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that was the day after Trev left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So day two while Trev was here, uh, we, not a, we had action. We, we had birds I'm trying to remember exactly what all went down that day. So the that day was, after that was in Berryville, that was with Pete. The second day. Yeah. Yeah. The second day that was Sunday. Pete's. Oh, that was a good, that day. was a exciting day. That was in a, in a wildly different way. That was definitely one of those crazy, like, so like we went back with Pete again and, and we can't thank Pete enough for, taking us out and hunting with us because it, I mean, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have been really able to hunt on Sunday. So we didn't have to sit out a day. We didn't lose a day on the trip and being able to go in there and like, it was cool. That was a cool day. And going back to the field, trying to strike him where he thought he was. And then they were more or less, they were down on another farm across the street. So we decided to go down and try and get those birds to walk, to come across the road. And, I'll tell you, they were hot to try. I mean, they really were. I mean, they lit up, and I knew that they would come across the road, but it, were they going to do the right thing? And that's not really what happened. I mean, they, they came across the road, but they didn't they didn't play or read the script the way that they should have. That was a fun one because it ended up being, what, close to four hours yeah. before we actually got eyes on those board, those birds. I mean, we're we're fairly confident that the birds across the street are the birds we ended up seeing. Mm -hmm. and i mean they like you said they were they were hot from sun up and it was just a matter of waiting on them and keeping in contact but that was that was cool as as they i get i guess like eight thirty, they finally crossed that road 
and you guys had moved to the far side of the field, so far farther away from the birds. Stephen and I were on the front field, which was closest to where they crossed the road. But at that point, they must have been on hens or something because they were paralleling our field. They weren't showing any interest in coming towards us. They were responsive as all. They were responsive, but but they weren't moving. We could could hear them move parallel to us. And so we ended up taking that quick break and we all kind of moved to that backfield. And I guess they got to take care of their business and decided to look for something else. And it was at that point. So that was a fun thing to experience because we had this constant interaction with the same birds for a long period of time. And I don't know, my opinion after the whole thing was these were some brilliant old birds that have probably been around the block a time or two, because once we finally got them in our area, they were very particular. I mean, we sat there for what 20 minutes with these birds as 60 yards behind a cedar tree. Staring Would not at, break the field edge. No. They, just, they just weren't coming. Came and in were, on a string and hit were that field edge and that was it. Big, beautiful birds, you know, and the glimpses that we got to see. I mean, these were. It was crazy because like, so they, like Andrew was saying, they're paralleling the property where we're at in the field that we're in. And so we decided to, you know, instead of taking the stance of running and gunning and trying to move around and really fire on those birds to just set still where we knew that those birds had kind of like, kind of like cut them off. But the thing was, is that we were on a small narrow type property. So we really couldn't get in front of them. And I was kind of nervous because there was a fence row dividing the two properties. And if we could get them to come through there, in my mind, I'm thinking if they come through, we can seal the deal. Right. So we end up, they end up striking about 200 yards away and they, they came in firing. They were fire, fire hot. When they came to the edge of the field in the cedar thicket and they seen the decoys, they literally locked up. I mean, locked up. Like you, there was nothing you could do. Like if it was aggressive calling, soft calling, purring, clucking, yelping. I mean, we pretty much did everything that there's known to man. And as soon Man, as they saw those decoys. I had my camera trained on that thing's head behind that tree for 10 minutes straight. And he would look up at the decoy and you would call and he would fan. And then you go back down. And I was like, what else you got? That's literally all that took place that entire time. It, it was, was nuts. And, and then we used the strategy of letting them go out and then move in on them, trying to cut them off again. So me and Andrew end up breaking off from them from uh, Peter and Steven and we try and get around them. We end up lighting them off and they start coming back in. And I, I'm like, all right, they're going to come in. And then I look at Andrew and go, no, they're not. I said, there's a fence row here. So now we, now we have to play the game. And, but he's like, well, what happens? I'm like, I'm promising you the worst nightmare in a Turkey woods. You, if I can, if I can teach anybody anything is stay away from fences. I mean, Stephen can protest to this that <laughs> literally you watch them come in and they just bump their chest against the fence. And then you're like, oh, man, that's a heartbreak. Stupid ass bird. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same with water, right? So, like a stream, a creek, 
a, a swamp, forget it. They're not going to come across it. You put a reservoir, a giant river like the Shenandoah or something, they'll figure yeah, they'll, out how to fly right across. across. If, if, there's, if they look at it and go, well, my only way is across is to fly, they'll cross it. But if they're going, do I, do I walk through it or do I jump? Do I walk through it or jump? They'll stand there and think about that decision for half an hour. And just go back and forth. Yeah. Back and forth. Back and forth, and they'll just lock up. And it's it's the same with the fence. They could duck their little their little butts underneath the thing and come under, and they're fine. But they're just they have one thing on their mind, and that's it. And they literally will not will not cross it. And it's just so yeah. nerve wracking. So then we decided to make a a jump because now we're on the corner of the fence, but the other side of the fence to our right would still be our property, but in front of us isn't. So now what we do is we then go backwards jump over the fence and go over. Now they're starting to come in front of us, but when they're in front of us, they're not coming to us. And I'm I'm like, come on. And I that's when I poured it on thick. And I'm like cutting and yelp. I mean we would I was these just birds wanted to die. Them. That's all I'm saying. Me and Peter sitting back there going that they're, they're they want to die. We're waiting for the boom. I've got the camera on it's recording just to get the sound. And literally it's like they're literally on top of each other. It sounds like they're literally touching each other. And we're waiting for the boom. And waiting. And waiting. And this whole time it's just over and over and over. And I was like, gosh, dang it. I think they were screwing with us more than we were screwing I think with them. You're right. I think I mean, right. I I mean, I think at one point you said those could be, you know, four year old four year old birds. And you know, they've played the game. That's a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. in turkey here so to i yeah i think they knew something was up after they saw us that first time and they just honorary honorary old birds that wanted to screw with us i don't i don't couldn't put it any other way but it was exciting it was certainly exciting i think one of the things about the turkey was right is not only being the success the success part of it but like the point that something when they get you man when they win when they win that battle there's something that comes over you is just like, wow, that's incredible, man. They got me and they got me good. Like it's, it's, it's almost as good as the success part of it because you're like, I couldn't what, get him this time. Yeah. What can I do different next time? And, and it only makes you progressively a better hunter. Right. So like when you learn those things, like the fence, the prop, the calling when they're, when they're at one point and you, you know, when they're just, when they, when you hit a call and they gobble, and then you wait a couple of minutes and then they whack again and then they whack again. And they whack again. You haven't even called. And then you hit a call and they cut you off. You know that they're going to come in like it's going to happen. Like they're in that search mode for you. And then there's that times that you hit that call and they just they only hammer once. And then you have to kind of tone it back. And then they then you'll hit the call like two, three times and then they hammer. And then you're like, all right, are they going to come in silent or are they just going to play that game where they just kind of hang out and they kind of know what's going on? And so when they hammer like that and they don't come in and then they just kind of get you for the day and it turns 12 o'clock, you're like, yeah, it yep. is what it is. And they won. So day two was a little wild. Day three was it, it was kind of mellow. Um, we were really hoping to knock Trev's last day off with a, a good smackdown on bird. And same thing. They were roosted in the same damn tree. And we moved in. And remember, they fired off as we were coming right into the V we were in opening on Saturday. That was the rain day. 
And our original plan is we were going to take this left fork in the trail and go a little deeper and go after another bird on the far field. And these things hammered off on us as we're walking. You know, we didn't, we didn't crow call, didn't nothing. They just hammered. They couldn't have been what we thought would be a hundred yards if we were lucky. Mm -hmm. So we doubled back and kind of made a move around and got down in this ravine below them because there's no way to move around them. They would have had us busted if we got any closer. And uh, we worked the bird for a little bit. Sounded like they were coming in. And as we're sitting there, Andrew turns and goes, I just saw something walk across, you know, it's like 80 yards or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, he saw him. I said, but were we busted or were they coming down? As in my head, we're playing this. And we sit there for another 20, 25 minutes. And then he finally hammered off again. And he was a long ways away. Mm -hmm. So uh, pretty sure he saw us. And that was that. We ran that property for another five miles. I think we got two or three more birds to strike and then got in that pine grove again that Trev loves so much. And then we we struck up a bird and we ended up setting up in there right where we know it's a strut zone. They're always on this ridge. Always. For two years now. For two years straight. And we set up on that thing and we call and he, boom, he hammers, but he's off the ridge down below us on the side. He never has been on traditionally. And we're sitting there and a hen comes in. Trev didn't even know it. I had no idea. There, there was a hen at 25 yards, just feeding, just back and forth, back and forth. Me and Andrew are like watching. He goes, does she have a beard? She have a beard. And I'm zoomed in on the camera. And I was like, does she have? I was like, no. Cause he was, he was ready to wax her. Mm -hmm. Like he was like antsy. Please tell me she's got a beard. No, man. Sorry. And Trev pointed out something that we kind of glossed over. We weren't supposed to have rain that day. Oh yeah. We had yes. rain that day. I and at points that. we had a lot of rain that day. We were. Yeah. It's a very play good in that game over. in, in a considerable amount of rain at points. I mean, we were pretty well. The, soaked by the end of that day these absolutely birds did everything they shouldn't have done in the rain that was my yeah. thing like when we go down the hill and that thing hammers off for the first time i'm like all right this isn't this isn't like this is this is not prototypical to Definitely. what's gonna go happen yeah it was it was wild it was zero dark still it was just starting to pick up the rain you know it was that rain that it's like okay this is tolerable but it's on that verge of crap i need rain gear and it hammers we make our move we're sitting there getting our asses soap and they just keep hammering and hammering and they fly down and they hammer and they start working in and then when nothing happens and we do finally hear that bird it's it's pouring at this point we're pretty well soaked and uh so we go to make a move again and there was two in the field yeah and as we're walking out, there are two big strutters in the field, which I got incredible video of them. And my goodness, the paintbrushes on these birds, these were, it's what you want to shoot. I'll put it that way. I couldn't believe it, man. When you sent me the video, I was like, huh? Yeah. Huh? So we see them in there, but at the time we're like, oh, they must be two-year-olds. You know, they're just kind of hanging out. They weren't responding to calls. They weren't with the hens that we knew of. They're just hanging out. So they're like, oh, it must, must be young two-year-olds. And we couldn't get them to come in for nothing. 
So that's when we bounced and went to the pines. Struck up that bird. We ended up chasing him to the next ridge. And then as he left and went to the next ridge, he actually flew over the swamp into the neighboring field. Mm -hmm. We got set up again, started calling, and he was trying to get back to us. But as he had flown over, he'd crossed the swamp and the big creek into a neighboring field over a fence. He's doing this. He's, He's going, going back and forth. Back and forth in that field edge trying to figure out how to come forth. back. That's the worst dance, man. When you, when you see a turkey doing the dance and he's doing the back and forth dance, you've been beat. You've been absolutely destroyed every yeah. single th- I hate that. that. That's why they, they call it what is a, a, a Polish turkey shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God in Virginia you can shoot him with a rifle because it makes so, mo- so much more sense now. But I may resort to that at the rate I'm going this year. I don't blame you. But yeah, that was... We, after that, we were also soaking wet and miserable and irritated at those daggum birds that we, you know, 1130, we piled in the car, didn't even bother with the last half hour. And and we came back here and soaked everything up and had to wash and dry our clothes and clean up. And Andrew's hands look like, you know, if you hit them wrong, oh, they'd man. split from the moisture. My Just hands were so wet. Walking prunes. I mean, it was it was wild. It was not the way I wanted your last day to be here. No. And so, Andrew, at this point, what kind of gone through your head? Because now you've had four hunts in under the belt and you've had pretty much everything from the from from complete failure to not happening, gobbling, not gobbling, rain, not rain. I mean, you've been through the whole entire element from zero to 100 in the turkey woods. Correct. (laughs) Correct. No, my thought process at this point was this is just starting to get fun. Like, I might be a little crooked in the head, but I told you guys first day, and you told me I regret it, that (laughs) I didn't want to kill on the first day. Obviously, I would, but I wanted some hardship, right? Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't call anything we had for the whole week hardship, but uh, we experienced a whole lot of stuff. And so the fact that, you know, three days in, it hasn't happened yet, but we've had all these amazing experiences um, and close calls and uh, different styles of um, pursuing these birds, I'm thinking like, I honestly thought it was great. Like this is perfect because one, there's all these different things that I'm getting to learn that, you know, would have, you know, may or may not have happened if we had killed out in day one or day two, you know? Um, but I, I kind of like the idea of having to earn it a little bit. And, you know, the fact that, it wasn't that we were making bad mistakes or anything like that. It was just that the birds were beating us. That to me is far more interesting than, you know, if we'd have gone out and, you know, whacked seven, eight, nine birds between the three of us in seven days. So I was just, just starting to be like enjoying it. Like in that almost, Sick twisted way, and that mm-hmm. sick twisted way. Where I'm like, yes, this is <laughs> yeah exactly what I wanted. So this- if we if if we'd have gone and sat in a blind on the edge of a field for seven straight days, 
He just left. I probably, <laughs> it, I mean, it'd be the last time I'd have come out here for turkey season. And you know, but the yeah. fact that we worked for it for seven and a half days, that was. And you have to remember too, Virginia's rated the worst or hardest turkey hunting state in the country. It's a perfect place to start. <laughs> That's right. And, and you it's get all, to see it's all it. downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and we had so many choice. We, oh, I bite well, my I, what tongue. What did I tell you? I told we you there. we could go to my spot in Kansas. Yeah, we'd be and done in 10 minutes. We could fill our tags in two days. Yeah. Like, based on what we saw. But I like, That's fun, that would not, not have fun. been nearly, that would, that would be way better next year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would. It, it's way better to come out and fight for it. And and you learn you learn everything, right? So and you, here's but, the deal, though. Like that, if I was ten, probably not the place to go on your first hunt. But for someone that's looking at a new kind of hunting, that's got you know a background in you know different things, that enjoys the pursuit of it as much as the actual you know animal itself man i i couldn't have asked for more it was right up my alley that's why i love starting in virginia i love starting my turkey season in virginia because it it gives you here's that <laughs> philosophical stuff that he failed to tell you he was going to say so you couldn't record it it's but it gives you that that whole outlook on on turkey hunting right like you kind of you remember not to take turkey season for granted because like when i come back home it's a whole different ball game. I mean, that's a slaughter fest. I mean, that's literally what it is when I come home. And and when I hunt other other places, I mean, that's what it is. So you go to Virginia and you kind of just realize and you take it all in and just realize what turkey hunting really is and why you do it, right? Because I love it. I love it just as much as killing is I love going to Virginia and failing. I, I really honestly enjoy it. And it's not even failing because like you're saying, the 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 chase and the pursuit is what makes it. Like I say this all the time. I mean, it's 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 what makes it. I mean, that them outsmarting you is the funnest part. You connecting with them is a good thing, and I love them outsmarting and connecting. But when you do it in Virginia, it's a whole different ball game. I I will kill a bird in that state someday. It it's might not happen. be next year. It no, might not it, be the year after. It's, it's gonna happen. We're gonna It'll make happen. it happen. It'll happen. It. That's all I'm gonna say. It will happen. It will. I know Grant, it will. Granted, that that particular property we own, I, I swear, they're like radioactive superbirds. Mm-hmm. Like they can sense electrical charge off the human body from a quarter mile away or something. Because you could be laying in a ghillie suit under a pile of leaves, and when they come in range, they'll look right at you and be like, "I know you're there." Like you can't hide from these birds. I don't care how camouflaged you are; they always seem to pick you out. It's crazy. It seems like you got to hunt them things like whitetails. You have to know where they come from, where they An go. ambush. An ambush them. I mean, that, and, that's just... Which is funny because that's actually the day you, you left. The next morning, we took everything we'd learned beforehand. And that where we were in the rain the third day, when he saw the bird at 80 yards walk across, and remember I told you there's there's a it's cliffed out just above that. Mm-hmm. It's about a 20-foot cliff. And... uh I said, I think they're roosting on top of that on a bench and then flying down. Well, that actually played a big part in the rest of the week. So the following day, 
we go in and basically where we were standing when that bird fired off in the rain, instead of going down the trail, we cut up into the woods. And I said, well, let's see if we can get above him. And we got in and they were hammering and I was like, all right, we're, they're on the ground. They're moving. Birds coming towards us. I was like, we can't go any higher. We just, we found a tree and had to sit. Picture perfect, you know, had the, the hen sitting out in the 25 yards, beautiful opening in the hardwood. And we watched this bird come down across this ridge. I was like, all right, he's there. And he makes a 90 degree cut. I was like, oh, buddy, here we go. I'm telling him, I was like, get your shit ready, get your gun right on him. Don't move. And he's got to go behind this log, pop out of this log, and he's dead. Well, we watch him drop behind this log. We never see him again, but we hear, And I turn and look at him. I was like, how did we get busted? It's like, he didn't even make it far enough to see the hens, let alone see us. But that bird picked us out and was gone. And he didn't make it no more than 65 yards from us. I mean, he wasn't even in like good range and picked us out from behind a log. So those birds, I don't know that it's insane. Wow. That's nuts, man. And I think, I I mean, one of the things too, that I kind of learned there too, is like the the predatorial that's there oh the pressure the pressure well not even the pressure but the predators the predators that build the pressure right because like Mm -hmm. we're seeing the hawk we're seeing the coyote they don't really call they're not all that responsive because i feel like they're so afraid of getting eaten by something and they know it well and that's the thing is think about the entire time you were here and even think about last year how many times did you ever hear hear a hen yelp they don't. They just burp, 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 and go silent. And those toms are on them. We'd yelp and they'd respond all day long. But it's like, hi, I know what you are. I'm out of here. Our hens don't yelp. Bust right. Them. And that's kind of the mentality we took in. So after that bird busted us, he was moving back down that direction where he went the first time. So we said, well, let's beeline it down to the trail and see if we can get around him we end up breaking brush and going clear down to the field edge. Well, just before we get into the field edge, we're about 10 yards from the edge. I look over and do the, those two toms are standing in the same spot in the middle of that field. And I was like, well, we called to them and same thing. They ignore us. In fact, they, they gobbled at us and turned around and walked the other way. I was like, well, let's just set up right here. We know they roost here. Maybe they'll come back through. We made this nice little hidey hole, perfect natural blind. You know, the bushes for once there made favor for us, made a nice, perfect little cutout. We sat down and no matter, no more than 10 minutes later, and Andrew goes, look at that strutter across the field, 500 yards. Beast of a bird. Remember that bird that we kept hearing down below that farm at the far corner, but we could never get to work? Yeah, he was sitting in that field just strutting. We watched that bird for an hour and a half. An hour and a half. And he was a tank because those two other toms that had left us saw him and there was a hen that had popped out and he was working that hen. Those two other toms bailed off, crossed the field, jumped the creek and went up gobbling and trying to chase him off. And he just nonchalantly was like, come with me, baby. 
went off in the trees. Those two other toms sat there and strut in his spot for 30 minutes, and then they followed him in. So we said, because last year there was that bird strutting in there too. Right. I said, that's a strut zone. Tomorrow morning, we need to get in here extra early, make it all the way around that field, and we're going to sit right there, and we're going to try the all-day sit in one spot and wait them out. And it was supposed to rain. Yeah, it was supposed to rain. So we were we had the blind. It would have been perfect. We had the blind. We had the chairs. We were going to do the whole easy way other than the pack end because it was two miles to that point from the car. So we rearranged our gear, had it set up so he would carry the blind and chairs. I had everything else. It was perfect. We get up the next morning, drive all the way down there, pull in. Looking at stars. Pristine, beautiful morning. We're both going through every weather app we have. I think we went through five between the two of us. I was like, dude, I don't see anything. Like, there, there's no rain. And we're talking like 70% chance of rain from 6 a.m. to At 11. 10, yeah. To getting there in the morning and zero rain anywhere. None. So, so like, well, I guess we don't need the blind. So we grab the regular stuff. We pile into that field. We get in, we sit down 20 minutes before the first gobble, like perfect timing, still dark, everything's set up, cameras are ready to go, it's still dark. Sun comes up, birds fire off, same spot. It's like, all right. There we're, were birds everywhere that morning. Birds, like all yeah. 300, well, with the exception of the open end of the field, we had birds on three sides of us. So Jeez. I'm like, we're in the, something's coming in because they're broken up in my head. And we get set up, and he goes, I think there's there's a bird in that far field where we were set up the day before. And two hens pop out. Real, and it's funny, I had just done a fly-down cackle. And he goes, oh, look, hens. You know, and sure enough, two hens walk out, and we're sitting there watching them. He goes, oh, there's two more down below right over the ridge. And then we see, like, there's two strutters again. They're just sitting down there in the bottom of that hill in the same spot. And we're like, well, that means this guy should be popping out soon because the sun just hit this field. South side slope, first place this gets warm. We're figuring that bird's coming in here to strut. We watched them birds strut in that field for two hours. A long time. A long time, Trev. It is a long time to watch birds, man. That would kill me. I'd try and figure out every way to get on them. Oh, that's the so only tough. way I was itching. I I told him like six times. I was like, I I'm just gonna crawl out I there was, behind those ridges. I'm gonna I was dump looking down for that cedar creek. boughs that I could cut and turn into a fan and try to tie them together and make a half ass fan and try to just reap them. And man. That bird, that big tom, never came into the struts. I never heard him. One, no, one time at oh, like yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning, he hit, he hit off once, way down at the bottom on the neighbors. And that was, wow. Like, what in the heck is going on, man? So we sit there and watch and watch and watch some more. We sat there till 11, 15. Mm -hmm. Until the shitter truck came. Until we, the, yeah. the property literally shit on us. Yeah, the uh, dude driving a manure truck, he drove around the field and Kicked sprayed on the us. sprayer right as he drove by us. We're back in the timber. Did he know it was that you were in there? He never saw us. He never saw us. Like, he was right past us. Ten yards away from us. 
Never saw sitting in there and drove right up along the edge of the field. I take the camera and I tuck it down below and I duck my hat and I still get whacked in the face. And I was down like, chunks of cow. Luckily, it was dry, not the wet stuff. That would have been bad. Oh. But yeah, that's, he, like, that's he the best turkey it. story I've ever heard in my <laughs> showered, life. Showered us in cow crap. It I was, turned and looked at Andrew and said, like, we're done. Let's leave. We're done. We're we need here. to make it. We need to make a Virginia manure T-shirt. I think is what we need. To do. <laughs> Turkey season shit on me. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I think. Oh wow, that's great. That's nuts. So, well, and the day before he tried to spray us well, with we the were fertilizer the, or with the. We went to that back far field where last year we had those jakes hit the fence and couldn't cross. Yep. And we assumed that whole time that that field was tilled under like everything else. We walked back there and that thing is like pristine three inch grass. I was like, no wonder all those birds were coming this way. We need to set up here. So we ended up, we set up in the back corner of that field that day for the last afternoon, just to do some blind calling and see if something would come in. We'd been there for 10 minutes and the guy comes in in a giant boom arm sprayer truck spraying fertilizer, like liquid. It sounded like a semi on a highway that just didn't yep. stop. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my gosh, he's, he's right here. 80 yards away, grabbed those decoys, <laughs> like running out. out in the field and I was like, wrapping up decoys, trying to get back. And so, it wasn't, I mean, he was 30 yards away by the time I got back. Like, he was. And he wasn't stopping. He no. ran. He was in one of the trucks that are, you know, the tires are eight foot tall and goes over the crops. Yeah, the alley, the alley trucks. Yeah, yes, and he would he wouldn't have stopped. He did just kept coming. Ugh. That was the end of that, and then we ran into the shitter truck the next day. Yeah, and uh, we came home. We're like, all right, started rethinking. What so, have we not done yet? Last night I said the only thing we have not done is reap the roost tree. And I said, I've got a pretty good idea where it is. We pulled it up, Google Maps. That was this morning? Yeah, that was this morning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I was like, I'm pretty sure they're sitting right here above this cliff face. And I think if we go in where we went in and got busted by that first bird when we went up, Mm -hmm. but we go in earlier, I think we can get right in there on their, right in their bedroom. I think that would be like the best idea, right? That's like probably the best idea. I I usually reserve that for like Hail Mary's. Because, I mean, it's risky. You get in there and do it and you screw it up, you're you're done in that area. Well, it is like the last day of the season for you guys, technically, you know? Being... Yeah, for, for camp, yeah. Right. So I said, we we got to go reap the roost. And bare minimums. I mean, I had I left my gun here. I mm-hmm. had my call bag. No backpacks, no water, no nothing. And the camera, he had a backpack with a bottle of water and the shotgun. No seats, no decoys, no nothing. And we went in, started moving up, and I was like, all right, we, we should be getting close. We should be getting close. We get to a point we stopped to kind of take a breather and assess. And I said, we need to get to either that tree or that tree. I said, let's move up to this one and then over to that one. Have they hammered at this point? No, it's still silent. So you don't know where they are technically. You just yeah, know we, the area. We know we're close, but we don't right. know where. Okay. So we work our way up to the first tree and I turn around and I'm kind of looking and observing going, I, I, it's good, but it doesn't have the cover I want. And I said, well, that tree right over 30 yards away. 
Like we are sitting under underneath him, the limbs of the tree. You guys are pulling a Zach. Yeah. A hunting public Zach with his Georgia bird at this yeah. point. So, wow. I was like, dude, sit down, make minimal movement, minimal sound. Luckily, the tree was already cleared out. So we were able to just slide right in and sit on it. And it was a beautiful oak with like four three, legs. four, four, four legs. legs. Yeah. So it came up and made like two bench seats. And he sat on one and I sat on the other. Me being an idiot, I sat on the left side just because that's where we were and it was convenient. And we sat here and I get the camera set up and I'm watching, trying to figure out which exact tree he's in. And just, and it's just one bird. I was like, well, did they break up again? So. Well, we didn't, we had no idea. Like we've got one bird right above us, right? And what was to come, we had no idea at this point. It was just sit down, shut up, and because I kept telling us, hold like, on, if, if he's right there, we know every day there's been four or five birds roosted right here. This is a big cojone jump here. Like this is this yeah. is it. And I was, I was like, if we do this right, this thing's gonna land in our laps, and you're gonna shoot him like at the end of your barrel. So we're sitting there and we just let him do his thing. You know, we're scratching some leaves, just making enough noise to make it interesting. You know, it just before they fly down, I got the mouth read in. I just do, a, I mean, ultra light tree yelp, just yelp, 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 about that loud. He's like, okay, he knows we're here. So I just sit and wait, sit and wait. And we watch him pitch off the tree off to the left. And I'm going, crap, because the way this tree's facing, we're facing here. He ended up flying, so he was off to my left. So Andrew would have had to shoot across me. And there was just a bit of a dip in this hill, like where he came down. It was like where the hill rolled over. And the only tree we could get to when he fired that first time of the two we were looking at was one of them was on top of that lip. The other one should have been. You know, I mean, and we're talking maybe eight, inches of elevation difference between the two trees which would end up making all the difference in the world but right before he came down all of a sudden there were three other birds light on that lit up (laughs) and then they lit up and next thing you know we got hens lighting up and we're in a 3d movie we've got birds in front of us behind us below us above us like we we weren't Everywhere. in the bedroom, we were in the bed. And I'm looking at Andrew like, dude, don't move. Something may walk up behind us and we can't see or hear. I was like, we just gotta literally see what happens. And that tom pitches down. And, and the, the other tom, tom pitches, pitches down. down. The third tom pitches third down. Third one pitches down. Hens pitch down all around us. And I'm like, okay but that thing is fired and you can hear him coming right out i said this is going to be quick he's coming right at us i said get ready and And there was a deer trail heading off the lip of that hill at a 45 degree angle to my left so it would have been a safe shot i mean completely no trees nothing you could tell the deer used it often i was like he's gonna come right over that opening like at that point, are you calling at him or anything, Stephen? Are you just I, letting him ride? I give. I think I. You were scratching the ground. You didn't just, call just, again until after right. they popped over. So I, I was literally just scratching leaves with my low hand, 
and he's just coming and coming to the point that I was so convinced he's fixing to die. I actually slid my finger up and put it in my ear because the gun barrel was like right here. So I'm like, this is going to hurt. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Over. And I was so stoked. I set my phone up to record in the trees. I have 20 minutes of these birds cackling nonstop. From the time right before he flew down to the time the whole thing was over, it's 20 minutes and it's nonstop Jeez. noise. Yeah, it was wild. Wow. So, this bird is coming, it's working towards us but he continues to move to my left. So as we're hoping he's here and he's doing this. He's like, moving to towards the point where 90 he, up if, the hill. If he turned to get a shot on the bird where he was at, he would have shot my camera. So can I can you see him like at this no, point? Can you no, see? Okay. Oh, he hasn't right broken. Okay. Right over that roll. So we have no real idea where this bird is. I can't see him. He can't see me. I can't see any hens. Don't hear anything behind me. So, I actually grab the camera and lean off to the back of the tree and I lay down and set the camera up where my head is and just take a guess as to where it's pointing. And I'm laying on the ground and it wasn't three seconds after I lay down, I look under the underbrush and I just see this white head walking right to it. And I was like, Andrew, take the shot, take the shot, shoot, shoot, shoot. Because I didn't realize when I moved, I changed my perspective out of his line of sight. So I'm like, dude, dead to rights, 20 yards, dead to right. Shoot, 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 take the shot, take the shot. This particular spot had a bunch of these like 14 to 16 magnolias. Magnolias with these big leaves. Or sorry, not magnolias, rhododendrons. Ugh. So you could see under them and you could see, you know, four inches of heads above them. But the problem that played itself out is we had multiple birds making noise that we could see, right? But we've got hens and Jake's and Tom's all mixed together. So <laughs> we That's so awesome. We're at initially there's no way of identifying a target. Right. I saw a white head. <laughs> and uh that means shoot. <laughs> we had a uh red is dead. Had one blow up and start strutting. And all I could see was his tail fan on one side of a tree. And so I'm looking down the scope and I got, you know, both eyes open and I'm just slightly moving my head in and out of the scope because waiting for this hole in the tree for him to stick his head out. And I'd moved out and he stuck his head in and I put my eye back immediately and watched his head pass through the scope behind another tree and then he turned around and they, nothing but fan from that bird for the next 15 fan minutes down the hand the hens all circled behind us got in front of them drug them up over the mountain and they walked up the hill and i i'm calling i'm in a a, a bitch uh, sorry a, a girl fight with one of the hens at this point she shop 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 hit me and i'm beep, 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 beep right back i mean just go oh, you're just giving it to her right so i was like if i can piss her off enough to come over here she may bring the other three that never came up with her she's gonna take the ride right and could not get her to break Ugh. and i look over and I, at this point they're walking off so i was like well i'm gonna pop back up i pop up and as i pop up there was a hen sitting there and i was like 
you can hear me in the video. I'm like, damn it. The birds were already moving away. She turns, she so I just hammer right back at her. And she ends up standing there for another two or three minutes, just perk, perk, perk. Well, and additionally, we had that Jake at like 60, a little higher up the hill off oh, to yeah. my left, that was convinced that we were a hen. And you'd see him circle around and drop off the hill, and he'd fight with that hen, and that Jake would kind of pop his head back over, and he'd be looking, and then the other birds would start to move off, and he'd follow them back down, and then he'd bark again, and that he that Jake would turn back up, come back <laughs> around. I'm like, yeah, I, like eventually he was give. he was convinced that we were there. He just never he finally ended up following his friends, but and it was a wild 25 minutes. That's when we that's determined awesome. that you know we hadn't seen but two or three hens, heard a couple of hens. And on top of that hill, we realized there are like 20 or 30 hens that roost with them. And I was like, well, no wonder they're ignoring us. They, they this, got all uh, they need up on the mountain. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, well, you learned you learned your trick, man. You learned what you got to do now. Now you know where they go naturally. Well, we, we heard one Tom actually break off. And I think it's the same Tom that cheated us two days earlier mm-hmm. on the hillside. And he went right down that same path where we ran into him mm-hmm. i told andrew i said grab your crap we're gonna hightail it down the hill get back on the trail get around past some rails and get to the edge of the the pines because i'm pretty do you sure think that they're going there. that direction i think that one bird the rest go over the mountain and go down off the property of the place that we don't have okay this bird circles the top of that mountain and goes down to the pines wow so i told andrew i was like we got to get down there and get ahead of him so i mean we bail off this mountain <laughs> we made it from right there where those birds are on that cliff face back to the pines in like four minutes and we were moving and we get set back up and give it a few minutes to calm down i was like okay now i'm gonna call we sat there until eight o'clock and never heard another bird so i pulled up the phone i said well i have one hell mary i said we can drive an hour and 45 minutes up to this chunk of public get on top of it, walk down, get on the Appalachian Trail and just run this, the Appalachian Trail through the middle of this WMA and see if we can strike a bird in the last hour and a half. So we do. We get up there and we start working. At first place is so thick, literally you can't leave the trail. So we get in the car and go to another spot that's a little more open. We start working down the trail again. Calling, calling, calling on every little ridge we drop over. I'm like, this is the one. It's going to be right over this ridge, right over this ridge. It's the next ridge. We cross this ridge, and I start calling, and we turn around, and here comes some lady down the trail. I wondered what that sound was. <laughs> I looked at Andrew. I was like, we're done. Yep, pack it up. So let, let's find a spot. Let's go hump off the trail a little ways, find a ridge or something. And Take goes, a nap. He goes, there's, there's a nice little bench down there. It looks like it'll work just fine. So we went down there, tucked in, did blind called every 15 minutes on just to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andrew spent the last 30 minutes of uh, his season in Virginia taking a nap against a tree. It was a, per- a boy. A perfect way to end. The sun was shining. No, it, it got cooking. <laughs> it was great. It went I from, saw the Instagram post. <laughs> it was great. It was 31 degrees when we got it. out of the car this morning. It was 67 degrees when we got back in. Yeah. It got and and uh, we had a bird um gobble 
as we were walking out at like 12 10 yeah <laughs> yeah just, no. add, just to add insult to injury of course you know just gotta at least kick it off right it was great it was an awesome way to end the week he, he literally that's got awesome the best week of turkey hunting you could ever ask for without a 100 so there's nothing wrong scenario, with that. No. every situation got put in all sorts of weird places and got to see pretty much everything you'd see in two or three seasons in a week dang it good for was, him yeah. If I could have a week where I don't kill, it would have been this week. I agree with you 100%, man. 100% do I agree. After this week, like, say we just shot a bird yesterday morning. Like, that would have been the least exciting thing to happen all week. Mm-hmm. I mean. I totally agree with you. It would, I mean, maybe not least exciting, but it would have been the least uh it would not have made or made or broken the trip. It would have. Mm-hmm. It would it. It would not have been the most interesting part of the trip. Let me put it that way. So, do you now? Can you say now that you've been through all this? You've been through hell and high water. Um, do you feel like they are the eastern elk? <laughs> we we had this discussion a little bit as we were sitting there in the pines today. I so here's what I think. Yes and no. Okay. Um, the thing that I thought that was most interesting to that parallel is the amount of sound that comes out of those animals. It kind of shocked me at how well that sound fits where that animal belongs. You know, because you've got this wild crazy sound that comes out of an elk right that reverberates across mountain ranges big mountain ranges i mean you can hear an elk from two three four miles away on a clear day i mean and it's the and when you're right on top of it this is something we talked about that's interesting about both one an elk is a has a piercing sound that a gobbler doesn't have Mm -hmm. which was interesting got got but when you're on top of an elk and he gobbles in your face at like 25 yards, you're... I no elk gobbled. Did I say... Uh, <laughs> I said gobble. Sorry. <laughs> when an elk bugles in your face at 20 yards, you vibrate physically like you're at a rock concert standing in front of the base. It's like yep. that. When you're... 20 yards from a gobbler that's on the ground he's oddly enough not as loud as he was when he was 80 yards away it's fascinating isn't that a trip Mm -hmm. it's interesting how those two different sounds fit within their environment um so i thought that was fascinating fascinating um in virginia i will say that it was fairly similar to elk hunting there's something to the analogy um i won't give it to you 100 percent until i go do it somewhere somewhere easily there's some more mm-hmm. different um but here in this place um the comparison is cert- comparison is certainly interesting i'm 
I felt like I was doing elk type things a lot of times. Mm -hmm. it, it was, and we discussed it after we got home and kind of started tallying. You know, you go elk hunting and you're doing 12 to 15 miles in a day mm -hmm. on a bigger scale, bigger on land. A bigger scale. Here we're on smaller scale, smaller land, and we're doing four or five miles a day. Yeah. So you're technically doing the same thing. The ratio is probably similar. It, yeah. It's legitimately like a micro version when it comes to the the time spent on foot and the moving and the tactics. Excuse and me. the thing that was interesting about that property that came through today is I don't know if you know much about some of the big name elk callers, but there's a uh, a couple of guys, uh, Jason Phelps is one and Corey Jacobson that are known for getting inside of an elk's comfort zone and blasting a bugle at him to strike him up right and it's a little bit kind of what we did this morning that is the only thing we didn't try is throw an actual gobble at these birds true but getting inside that comfort range this morning was similar to yep. that Corey jacobson style yeah you know so that's how i play the field man. And, that's and, how i play yeah. the field big time like that's that's mm, Especially there's at home. A, there's a time to be aggressive, man, and, and today was it. We learned enough finally after two years about these birds, and we pinned them down enough that I was comfortable making that aggressive move. And you need to know that. Like, that's one of the things about, like, even going into the, the whitetail world in that realm of it. Like, there's a time and a place to be in the bed of a whitetail. I mean, and it's you, just you it's a time and a place. barrel into where you think they are if you don't know. No. Oh. You need to you need to learn. You need to study those deer. You need to and same with the turkeys. You need to know where they are, where they roost, where they sleep, how they naturally move. You know what I'm saying? Like there's times that like I'll go in before the season, like scouting here, and I'll go in and just sit naturally and for two three hours and just see where them birds actually naturally move to be able to go in and attack on those birds. Yep, I've had that certain level of understanding of what you're after in order to make those kind of decisions. Cause I'm, I, I would be willing to bet that there are places where that tactic not going to work, you know, to, to run inside their comfort zone and hammer at them. Absolutely. So, but well, you have to understand the animal itself and the animals in that region, what they do. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you don't kill a bird next week. Right based on what we've gone after. And if that property doesn't change from a, from a uh, success standpoint over the next few years, based on what happened this week. And that's like you said, every animal, I mean, there are some deer farms where getting inside of the bed is going to be the worst possible thing you can do. And there are going to be some places where that's the only way you're going to kill that deer. So, it's, it's just learning it. It's learning the animal and that animal within the context of where you're at on that particular day. Right. And that's, that's so for, for me, like today, man, like we went in, we scouted where those birds were going to be. I went in there in the morning. I hit a call. The thing was stupid aggressive. It came right after us the day. So this is the day before this was Thursday and that bird come running in. And I was like, Oh no, it was, yeah, Thursday. And I, so we ended up backing out real quick and then going back in this morning uh, with the youth on it. And that bird literally come out that tree 
at daybreak. Like it was, I, he got so close so quick and the way that he come out the tree that I honestly believed that we were going to have to wait when he was in the decoys to be able to shoot for legal shooting light. That's how quick he come down aggressively like that. Wow. It was nuts. And you know, he did, he just read the textbook and that bird come in and he got in his strut zone. He knew that area so well. He got in that strut zone and he sat in that strut zone for an hour and a half. I pulled every trick out of the book. I mean, everything that you could do to try and get that bird to break 25 yards to come into the decoys. And remind you, I have a youth, so it's it's a little bit tougher. Like if it was us, I'd wait for him to go. We'd circle bound him and we'd kill. I mean, we know where he's going to go and where he's going to come. I mean, it would have been a lot easier. But having a youth, it's tough. You have to – they don't – you know what I'm saying? Like it's just a lot more for them. to. You have to set them up properly with the right – you know what I'm saying? It, it definitely gets tough. So – I tried calling this bird and he just, you just watch him fan up, strut back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, all right, buddy, come on. Aggressive, soft, purr, this, that. I mean, I gave him everything I could. I wait for him to go out. I crawl back. I go back 80 yards. I hammer out. I mean, he's just giving, he's pouring it on. Same area, back and forth, back and forth. Then he comes up, he semi-circles, comes around to my left. Now I'm thinking he's going to come in to my left, and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do now? So now I crawl down so that now I'm keeping this bird to my left, but I'm keeping the shooter in the middle. Now I'm 60 yards from them, but I'm downhill of them. I'm like, all right, here he comes. Nope, stays semicircle, completely out. Hated the decoy, locked up as soon as he saw the decoy. So I'm like, all right. Now mind you, now we're almost two hours into this. I let him go down. I let him go right off. So I crawl up to the guys and I say, listen, this is what we're going to do. Screw the decoys. So we're going to take a hen decoy. We're going to go down 40 yards into that strut zone where he was. We're going to set up. I'm going to set up a decoy. I'm going to start calling. I start calling. He starts pouring it on. Here he comes. I'm like, all right, get ready. He's going to come. Hangs up a little bit. I hit the call again. One fires off behind us. I said, here we go. I said, who cares about that bird? We know we can kill the next this this bird, or at least make a better attempt because we haven't messed with this bird for two hours. So I have the decoy now is behind me. I've now moved behind the shooter. He's sitting in front of me, and now I have him wrapped around the tree. And here he comes. Here comes this Tom. And he's you know I hit the call. He gobbles. I can now see him. He's strutting, and he's about sixty yards away, seventy yards away. He's strutting, and he's coming in, and. So I have Everett, who's the, who's the uh, the shooter, and he's in front of me, and I can see the bird start to come. And now he struts, comes out of struts. So I hit him with the call, and he looks down in my direction, and he doesn't see anything. And now I'm in the open, so like yep. uh, he's like, "Oh, whoa, 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 what's going on here?" He's not seeing nothing, and he's like, "All oh, weird." So he sticks up his head, and he starts to walk out, and I go. Shoot him, Everett. Shoot him. Shoot him, Everett. Shoot him. And you could see him. He goes to go shoot, and he, like, does it like the, you know, the flinch, like the, you yep. know, like he's waiting for the shot to come off. Well, he could, I don't know if he couldn't get the safety or what the case may be. He ends up getting it off, and the bird starts walking away, and he hammers this bird. Boom! It falls on the ground, and he's out cold. I end up pacing it off. And it was kind of like a Hail Mary because it was like now or never. You take the shot or don't take the shot. We're going to miss. Got to at least attempt it. He ends up lacing this thing. 
and it was cool. It was awesome, man. It was it was really cool to see. And he had, I mean, he had hunted last year when he was twelve, and just couldn't couldn't get it done. Um, he had tried it on his own with his dad and stuff, and uh, a friend of mine. And it was cool to have him come out and be able to actually do it and actually connect. And it was it was fun. But working that bird, man, it was. We didn't shoot that bird until almost eight o'clock. We had been in the woods since five thirty, and it just just working the birds. And I didn't even know that there was never a bird behind us. I don't know if it was all the commotion of the goblin or whatever the case may yeah. be, but we ended up pulling a second bird in. Thank God we did, because if we didn't, it would have been tough. It would definitely have been tough to kill that bird. And that bird still was gobbling down in the, in the valley, but we were just so wrapped up in what was actually yeah. going on that it. Well, and that's the thing is like I told Andrew when he got here, I said, you will never experience the same hunt on a second day every day in the turkey woods will be 100 different and unique mm-hmm. so i i think we proved that fact and you being here and then going home to get to experience birds that actually work which by the way what's it like having birds that actually work i, I go i go through this every single time that i go into virginia right so then i come <laughs> home and then i come back to birds and i'm like wow that was easy <laughs> like <laughs> these birds they do they read the script like i mean they read it to a T like anything that you throw at them, they, they take it, you know, like you do get them to hang up obviously. And I, I think I really would like to know at what point does what decoy work over another? Like where does, where does the Jake decoy attract them in? Because I've had hunts where birds more mature, like the Toms, they don't really care for the decoys. The younger birds, the two and a half year olds, the yeah, one and a half year olds, I didn't want to fight. They hammer it down. But the big birds, the pressured birds, they hate those decoys. And it's in Virginia. It's in Connecticut. It's in Maine. It's at wherever I've hunted. It's the same thing over and over. And I'm almost to the point where I'm just going to throw that thing away. And well, I, it's like today, Andrew brought up the point. He's like, I wonder if we had a hen decoy when they looked over that ridge and saw it, if they would have committed. And it's a very good possibility. I've, you know, my thing is when I hunt by myself or with an experienced hunter, we don't even use decoys. We just hunt the hardwoods and we have them search and find us. Yep. When you have a youth or you're archery hunting, you have to have that that magnet yeah, for them to, to get f- their attention off you. Right. But it doesn't always work. Nope. Well, saying that's the crazy thing. Like even where we were hunting, the decoys didn't work for us. Actually, they worked against us the entire time. Mm-hmm. Whereas four days before we had five toms come in and attack the same decoys in the same spot when Kim killed hers. Right. I mean, do they get to like that turning point where it's like, yeah, well, I guess. And one thing we talked about is when Kim's came in, she had what five. Yeah. There were five toms, five long bears. And that's one thing that we kicked back and forth when those, uh, two from what, day four, Right. Went across the field and across the creek at chasing after the big monster. Right. Is it seemed like on that property, if there were two of them, they didn't mind the Jake. But if one bird came in, they weren't going to mess with it. And the you other think thing, it's like a competition thing. I, it, it's got to be a pecking order. Mm-hmm. And we also felt like, jakes in the timber were a bad idea we yes. felt like we might be able to get away with the hen but we definitely weren't going to get away with the hen and the jake if we were in the timber yeah i mean That's it's crazy it's a crapshoot because i mean you think about 
Saturday morning, your first morning out there, those two toms came in, saw the decoy and turned around and walked away. And then turned around and saw a live tom in full strut and wanted to go fight. That's so, I mean, I'm almost considering that maybe next year I take a full strutter. You know, that, that might be another thing that would help, especially because you're, you're instilling competition at that point. You're instilling the competition at that point. Yeah. So you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll add that into the mix and see what happens. Yeah. And the sure. interesting thing is, I could go back to Oklahoma with the same two decoys and they may destroy the thing. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Or I may have the same issues. Well, that's. So I think we kept going back to it and back to it and back to it on that particular property. Those are highly intelligent birds. Mm hmm. And. They're not that big for a reason. That's one thing that's going to be interesting going back because I've got some places at home that I can guarantee you haven't been turkey hunted maybe in years. So if there are birds in there, they're uneducated. They're going to be uneducated, but it's almost like starting at zero because are they going to like the decoys? Are they not going to like the decoys? Mm -hmm. Are they going to want a, a, a hen or a couple hens or a hen and a jake or a hen and a strutter i mean it's it'll be a an interesting welcome, learning process welcome just there to at the home, deep so. dark hole of turkey hunting my friend. you just took the words right out of my mouth buddy <laughs> i said here's the needle yep. <laughs> you've got the sickness my friend just even thinking about that and and that to me that's one of the funnest parts about mm -hmm. turkey hunting for sure no because you can configure your weapon a million different ways. You can configure mm -hmm. your setup a million different ways. You can use a million different tactics. And only one's going to work on that set of birds. Mm -hmm. you got to figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. So true. It's, it's fun because decoys are fun. I mean, we talked about while you're here, like, I like decoys. I've got a bunch of old duck decoys at the house. Mm -hmm. I enjoy that kind of stuff. But I don't use a decoys deer hunting ever. Nope. Right. Same. Too much work. It's too much hassle. I've never had any luck with it. Like, there are other ways to get it done without a decoy. I'm not, not, I have zero interest in messing with it. It's just not something I'm interested in. But it's interesting with turkeys. Truly. Well, Andrew, I do. Truly, you left a pile of them here. Yeah, that's right. You can have them. I don't Andrew drink, can take it back. I, I don't drink Boone's Farm, man. Yeah, that's all. That's good stuff too. <laughs> hey, well, Andrew, I know you were upset about the last one, but uh, can I ask you one question? Please. What drives you outdoors, brother? Okay, so <laughs> have you been shoot. like practicing? Has he been like reciting? Is there like a hey, is listen? There a paper? Listen, it here, red listen. In the mirror. <laughs> I figured. You guys are red lipstick. This is episode eighty-two, right? You guys are. A year and two months into this podcast. Bro, where did you get that number? Because I didn't even know that number. <laughs> Technically, it's 83. Okay. I was, no, 81 was the last one. Yeah. Okay. And then we have part one is. Yeah, part one was 81. This guy, he's on the ball. Well, all right. Listen, I've been thinking about this question for a year. <laughs> because this is my favorite question. Um. But before I answer it, I have to unfortunately compliment you guys a little bit because I think this question is the genius of this show, what makes it so interesting. Because 
you wait until the end of the end of the interview to ask this question. But you've just spent an hour with this person answering this question through the back door. And it's fascinating to me because you can have somebody come on here and have a fantastic conversation and a, and a and struggle to answer this question. It's because they just spent an hour answering the question without answering the question. <laughs> um, so the fact that you did that, whether it was on purpose or an accident, it doesn't matter. It's great. And the other thing I love is that you're not asking people why they like to hunt or why they like to fish. You're asking them what drives them outdoors. Why, why are you going outdoors? Um, and that is a much more broad question and is much more, in my opinion, deep question. Um, in fact, uh, the psychologist Jordan Peterson was once asked if he believed in God and his response was, it would take me 40 hours to start answering that question. And after thinking about this question for a year, I think that's my ultimate answer to this question is we would need about 40 podcasts to come up with a decent answer to this, this question for me at least. Um, but the shortest answer I can come up with as far as what drives me outdoors is potential. Because when you step outside, you don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's what keeps me coming back every time. And whether you're going out for a shed hunt or your first turkey hunt, or you're going into the farm that you've been into a hundred times and you know the cows are going to ruin your hunt, or you go out west and walk through the desert or uh, climb into the alpine and get above tree level. Even if you're walking down the Appalachian Trail or, you know, get on a boat in your local lake that's really more of a pond, it doesn't matter what's going to happen or what you're doing. You don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's fascinating. And like I said, I could go on and on about this, about why that is for days. But I think somewhere close to the core for me is just the fact that something interesting is going to happen when I step outside my front door. And I don't know what it is. And it's never going to be the same thing twice. And that's what gets my motor running for that kind of thing. So that's I love the it, man. best I can do in three minutes. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I and really like it. And, and y'all stay tuned for uh, Andrew's outdoor philosophy segment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Coming next, man. Coming soon. <laughs> I will say, man, before, before we wrap this up, man, it was a pleasure spending time with you guys both. I, I had it. I had an absolute incredible time man. I had seven hours to think about the ride home and, and how, you know, all, all the things I've been blessed to do throughout my life, honestly, with especially being in the outdoors, that, you know, camp that we had was an incredible time. I had one of the best times turkey hunting, man. I've, I've had the pleasure of hunting with a lot of people in the turkey woods, and I had an incredible time this week. And I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank both of you for that because it was so much fun. I had an absolute blast. I really did. And even thinking about it, I got a tear coming down. So <laughs> well, it, it's, it's always an honor to have you guys down here. And it's always a great time. 
regardless of what happens, we always seem to have a fun time doing it and come out with some of the craziest stories you, yeah. you can't make up. You cannot. So, well, what was it for weeks? You kept saying, like, this might be hard. This might be rough. This might, we may have to work say, for it. We're going to have what to work I for it. Kept telling you back. Good. 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 We're going to have fun. Good. Good. We're going to have fun. Good. We're going to have fun. Andrew jinxed it from the beginning, and I knew that <laughs> this was going to happen. <laughs> hey, it's all right. But it was worth it. I mean, it, it was. was so much better than if we'd have killed that first, that first bird on it was, morning. It was truly, truly amazing. And and honestly, I I really have to thank Peter Dalton. Honestly, one hundred percent. I mean, he he yeah, made the trip. Awesome. We couldn't thank him enough. I know on the first podcast we kind of like busted on him and this, that, and the other thing. But honestly, if it wasn't for him. We wouldn't be able. We would have been down a day of hunting, and actually probably two days worth of hunting. And he definitely pulled it together for us. And and you know he took he took guys in arms open. And you know Strangers. we can't thank him enough. Yeah, and you know it's the power of the podcast. And you know I believe in that one hundred. I wouldn't I wouldn't know Stephen if it wasn't for a podcast. And I wouldn't know Andrew. And I wouldn't know Peter. And I wouldn't know a million and one other people that have that have kind of brought to this whole family. And you know to see what the adventures are going to take, man for sure definitely well guys again thank you i appreciate you guys coming out and spending time out here and thanks for having us man mountain in virginia (laughs) thanks to kim for the good food too i keep forgetting about that oh yeah she she takes care of us that's that's for damn sure and uh she had as much fun with you guys here as well she she loves having company as you guys know and it's just nice to have folks around and have a good time for sure. So invites always open. However, next year, I think we need to take and make our shift and look at doing turkey camp in Oklahoma. Yeah. Come on down. We'll go do the real thing and the Merriam's thing. And I, I'm down for it. I think we should put that one on it. the books. And then uh, mm-hmm. that way, if all goes well, we have the Rio and the Merriam down before we even start chasing Eastern. That's right. Yeah. So, so we I'm in for the slam. We open early in, in uh, Oklahoma. We've been open for two weeks before you guys open here. Yeah. So we could definitely put that to work. But uh, we will catch up again soon. Andrew's on a flight back to Oklahoma tomorrow. And Trev's season opener kicks off soon, as well as your main trip. So we're going to have a lot to talk about here coming up. Some good stuff, man. You know, I I still got to break my own personal turkey curse here in Virginia. So You'll do it. I know you will. We're going to grind it out this year, and I'm hoping there's going to be a lot more crazy stories to come along with that. So for everybody out there listening, we hope you guys enjoyed. Reach out if you have questions, comments, let us know. Get on YouTube, follow if you want to see the video. Like, follow, share, subscribe on all the social platforms as appropriate. And until then, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.